dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we've seen and testified that the father has sent his son into the world to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God and we know and rely on the love God has for us. I love that phrase. We rely. This is what we need. This is what we need to know. This integral, binding thing that God loves us and calls us to love. That when we love, we are in God. And that God is love. And we rely on the love God has for us, for God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. That's what we're about at Sutton Coldfield Baptist Church. We love because he first loved us. I love staying late. At church, I really enjoy it when I feel that people are talking and having significant and meaningful conversations, getting to know new people. Not every church is like that. I recognize that. And I love the cartoons of Dave Walker. I need to tell Ruben there's a cartoon coming up. I love the cartoons of Dave Walker. You may or may not come across him. He's written a number, he's drawn a lot of cartoons, and they're all mostly about his Christian faith in the Church of England. And so they don't apply to us in every shape or sense. But there's some resonance that what we may have experienced in other churches. So this cartoon is about what I promise you doesn't happen here. But if you've been a part of other churches, you may recognize. 
So sometimes it can be difficult to encourage people to leave after a service. Now, I don't want to encourage you to leave. I want you to stay. But they may have been having a great time, and there are, these are some of the tactics that the church wardens, let's put in staff, adopt. These are things that we won't do, but you may have experienced. Jangling the keys. Turning off the lights. Approaching people with a rotor. Now, that may happen. I apologize. That may, but that's not to get you to leave. That's just because we want to encourage you to join in and participate. Equally, organizing a work party. Michael organizes work parties every half term. People come down and paint and, and, and clean the, and garden and stuff, and it's fantastic. So that's not to get you to leave. That's just to involve. And what this is saying is that for me, it's church is about community. And this next one, I absolutely promise you, never, ever will happen in the time that I'm here in this church. The <laughs> commencement of a group hug. I cannot think of a worse way of having church. So we don't do that. We won't do that. Uh, but perhaps this happens occasionally, odd and unpredictable behavior. Which leads me into thinking, what is the point of church? And sometimes people will say to me, it's just entertainment. Uh, is church simply a place of entertainment? Now, I will confess to you that the bottom line is, I don't think anybody should be bored in church. And I also believe that God created laughter. And that if we haven't laughed together, then we haven't fully appreciated all that God has for us. But church is not a place to be entertained. It must be, as a foundation, not be boring. But we've got to go beyond that. So church is not a place of entertainment in itself. So is it a club to join to meet friends? And again, you will have heard me say many times over the years, this is the perception of the world. This is what we are dragged into by our culture. The culture of our nation is that churches are places where Christians go. And that you have to be a Christian to go to church. You have to belong to that club. Now, we want this to be a place where you meet friends. That's why we want you to stay and, and chat and meet new people and mix, mingle and so on and stay for a long time and avoid group hugs. That's what we want. But it is more than meeting friends. And it's certainly not a club, a, some kind of exclusive place that you have to be a Christian to be part of. What is the point of church? as we build on these things and say, yes, but, the next one would be a place to encounter God. And we really, really want each one of us to be able to encounter God together. As Sheila said, as we sing and speak words over each other, something supernatural happens. I've been around long enough to have had so many stories of people saying they come into this building, and even before anything happens, they feel different. There will be many of you who find yourself in tears regularly here. And this has become a place to encounter God because it's a place where people pray. 
And in our times of response, of thanksgiving, of gratitude, of worship, we really want to encounter God. But if that's all churches, it's not enough. And I don't think that's for the intention in the New Testament of church. We want to be a place to encounter God, but we want something more than that. I want to suggest that the purpose of church is to be a community that inspires each one of us to walk with Jesus. The encounter can't be just for the experience. It has to create something in us. And the church isn't this place. This happens to be a place where the church meets once a week, but throughout the rest of the week, the church is still being church. And I don't just mean all the activities that you saw on that video, all the different things that happen through the week, which is a colossal thing. And I mean, it's an immense privilege to see what goes on in our church. I don't know everything that goes on. I don't know everybody that goes on. If you're visiting us, we have 12 different staff who work towards all of these things that happen, trying to share the love of Jesus with all kinds of different people. It is an incredible community. But the church is more than what goes on over there or in here. The church is you and me living for Jesus together in the workplace, in the family, in the street, in the neighborhood. And our mission statement is to share the love of Jesus. And to do that together, trying to make sense of this life with honesty and clarity and integrity. Why? Because we want to make disciples. We want to build disciples together. I want to show you another little video that again uses some of the photographs of the life of our church, but just talks about this, our mission statement and the values we have within it and why we do what we do. And then it leads on to uh, where we're going tonight, which is about what we can do together to live for Jesus. We're going to pop that video up uh, on our website, so I should say to those who are watching the video now or listening to the podcast, if you go to our website, you'll find what everybody else has just seen in the room. What are we about? Why, why do we exist? How does that impact us? What does that cause us to do, and how do we do it specifically and practically? And what is our focus for the next few months? We exist because God's love for us inspires us to love God. We love because he first loved us. That was the beginning of our worship together, and we looked through and listened to one John. We love God by loving others. We cannot separate those two things. There are two huge errors that religious people get into. They get, one is that they get so worked up about being in relationship with God that they ignore loving others. And Paul says in Corinthians that if I speak in the tongues of angels, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. So one error that uh, religious people get into is they are so high and mighty that they do not love people. And the other problem that people can get into is to fall on the other side, is to be so ingrained in the lives of others that we neglect our relationship with God and we don't go deeper with him. And so we have to hold the two 
intention. We respond to God's love and we love others. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again for us. So we start with God's love. And over the last few years, I've tried to uh, explore again and again uh, five aspects of God's love, using the past, the present, and the future. My intention is that you will all feel that you absolutely know how to describe God's love in five ways, because you will remember the sign, past, present, future. I know we're not quite there yet, but a few more baptisms, and you will get it. But for tonight, I want to ask another question around the five aspects of God's love, which is not so much about each of us, but about those who we live with. And I want to invite you to reflect for a moment on the people you rub shoulders with, the people you work with, the people you're friendly with, the people uh, who are your patients, your clients, your colleagues, your students, your family, your neighbours. And I want to ask some questions around this idea of God's love. And that's going to lead us then into communion. I want to know, firstly, who it is that you might be living alongside who is struggling with guilt. You see, we don't always think about other people, and we may not know what's going on in their lives, but I guarantee you will know someone who has a sense of shame, a regret, maybe a broken relationship, maybe things that were said and done that they feel deeply ashamed with maybe mistakes in teenage years. So many of us and so many of the people we live alongside struggle with guilt. And therefore, the good news of a past forgiven is so important. And we are founded on the love of God, which begins with the forgiveness of Jesus brought through the cross. So what can we do if we knowingly or unknowingly, live close to someone who is struggling with guilt. I want to suggest two and a quarter things. Two, all of us, can we just simply pray and love? Can you pray for the people you, you know? And can you love them? Can you enact, live out the love of God? Can you bless? Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't give up on them. Model this grace that we believe in. And the half, quarter, is when it's appropriate, invite them to something. Maybe in church, maybe alpha, maybe to watch something online, maybe a special event. And it may be that you are living alongside someone who is struggling with low self-esteem, chronic self-esteem, and sometimes that's easier to spot. It's either the quiet people or the loud people. It's either the people who are overconfident or the people that are underconfident. It's the same root, low self-esteem. Actually, we've all got low self-esteem. is isn't any person here who doesn't struggle with low self-esteem, apart from the deluded. We all struggle. Because we all need to know of the worth and value that God has put upon us, that we are worth the blood and death of Jesus, that we are worth God's Son coming for us. 
And we may be living alongside people who we just long for them to know that they are precious and significant and made in the image of God and valued by their creator. We don't know how to do it. So we pray and we love and maybe when the time is right, we invite. And we may be living alongside people who feel desperately empty who cannot see the point. Maybe they have all the wealth and success that they ever thought they wanted and it wasn't enough. Or maybe they don't have any of the things that they think will make them happy. And there's a sense of emptiness. We will be living. It's the epidemic of Sutton Coalfield. It's the problem of the middle class. Emptiness, pointlessness. Why do I get up? And we may be living alongside people who need to know the love of God who calls us to something meaningful and purposeful, who says, I want you to follow me and live the life I created for you. I want you to to, to enact the things that were prepared in advance for you to do using your gifts and skills. And we say, well, how do we help people who are struggling with emptiness? We love and we pray. And when it's appropriate, we invite. And we may be people working or living alongside people who are struggling with life, for whom life is very, very difficult. And they need to know the love of God in his help, his strength, his guidance, his walking with them daily and prompting and the inspiration and wisdom of Scripture. And they need to know that God loves them enough to reach into that situation and help and answer their prayers. And how do we get them to know that love of God? We pray and we love. And when the moment arises, we invite. We need people to know a past that's forgiven and a present value and a present purpose and a present help but we may be living alongside people who have suffered and are suffering, who've experienced loss or injustice, oppression, and they need to know that their time is coming when every tear will be wiped away and everything will be put right and all that is wrong will be restored. We do grow together uh, four times uh, every four weeks, and we did it this afternoon. And we, the, the purpose of Grow Together is for uh, children to have quality time with the adults in their life and around a spiritual theme. And uh, we've started to do questions of life for them. So child, children can ask any question. Uh, little child put his hand up to this afternoon. They delight. I'm sure parents save up these difficult questions. Uh, little boy, I'm guessing he's about seven. Hand up. Why does God allow suffering? You and I are living amongst people who are asking that question. And they need to know that there's a time coming when he puts it right. When there is a judgment on the unjust and when there is deliverance for the oppressed and a new life and a healing, a future hope. How do we let them know that? We pray and we love them. We lacked with generosity and compassion and empathy. We listen. We stay involved. We want people to know God's love. God loves, inspires us to love God. That's the foundation of church. 
And our purpose is to make disciples. What do we mean by disciples? Those who are seeking to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to copy Jesus, and to obey him. That's what we're called to do. That's what church is, us seeking to be disciples. Cartoon coming up, uh, Reuben. Where do we do this? It's not in this building. It is wherever God places us. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus on the park bench, on the bus, in the workplace. And this is where we are as a church, everywhere. So we're called to make disciples. And we have a particular way of doing that, which hopefully you're very familiar with. It's been in our videos. It's on all our literature. We want to share the love of Jesus. That's our responsibility. We want to do that together. We do not believe in... Uh, in we don't really believe in clergy. We believe in everyone being equally significant in the body of Christ. It's all about relationships, doing it together. And we believe in making sense. We want to be relevant. Those are our three R's, to be relevant, to be in relationship, and to recognize the responsibility that we have. And as we do that, we do that in a number of different ways, which were in that video that we looked at at the beginning of the service. I'm not going to go through these things, but they're there. They're in each column, ways in which we try and make sense of life, ways in which we do things together. If you want to look at the video that will go up on Wednesday, you can freeze this slide and go through some of the individual things that we do. You can look at our website, or you can join us on Wednesdays, which I'll talk about in a few minutes to find out more. But I want to conclude uh, by talking about our focus for the next few months. Three things that we believe as a leadership are important for us to just pull out and remind ourselves. And the first you may have picked up if you're with us over Christmas, Christmas Day and New Year's Day, we had these cards of resolutions and we talked about meeting with Jesus. We want to encourage you and us together to go deeper into him. We are, as I said in the letter, which you've all read because you've all opened your emails, I said there that there are dark clouds. We're in unprecedented days. The things that we thought three or four years ago were dependable have proved to be unreliable. The things that we thought can never happen might happen. For many people, that's very scary. For those of us my age and younger, it's unprecedented. My mum, who's in her mid-90s, she's seen it all before. The only way we go through this is to go through it with Jesus. To seek him more and to know him more. And so we want to keep encouraging each other to go deeper into his word, to understand what he's saying to understand scripture and to understand the nature and character of God proven in Jesus. I want to encourage you to continue uh, watching what we do uh, online or listening to podcasts. We do our 8.30 call to prayer and uh, we really, it's a moment at 8.30 on Sunday morning where we pray and we inspire one another and it's a great little community of people that join with us. But others watch it over the week, and maybe that's something that you might want to do. You could break it down and watch five minutes, ten minutes every day. There are prayers, there are thoughts, there are scriptures into our world. 
Let's go deeper and use it in reflection. I want to encourage you to be part of small groups. We struggle sometimes to get everybody into small groups. We certainly don't get everybody into, but we want to try where we can. If you, if you uh, know us well and you want to be part of a group for the first time or again, please speak to Deb or me, and we'll make sure we try and facilitate that. But what we do on a Wednesday is something called living the life, which is for those who feel on the fringe, either because you are new to us as a church or because for whatever reason you feel on the outside. And we meet at 7 o'clock. We start again this Wednesday. We have a, a pudding and then a drink and then we get into a talk. I will do about a half of them, a bit more than half of them, and then other leaders do another, another half. And we, we try and address some of the core things that we believe as a church. But more importantly, we enable you to meet other people who are new and to meet us as leaders. It's, it's the only way, really, to get to know me because every other part of life is difficult to get hold of me because of all the things that I'm involved in. So if that's something that you want to do because you feel part and connected and drawn into this church and you're not yet in a small group but you want to be, please speak to me and we'll sign you up or Paula on the desk afterwards and we'll sign you up this Wednesday and onwards uh, it, whenever you can on a Wednesday. And the second value that we really want to focus on is to intentionally create new disciples you say, well, don't we always do that? Yes, we do, but we just feel we need to reiterate that. We want to make new disciples. We want to see new people coming to faith in our baptistry. We've been thrilled over the last few months at the growth in those who are wanting to come to all that we're doing. But we want to see people find faith for the first time. We will be doing our Fun Run Fun Day, uh, which is a great event. I said earlier about people coming into this building and sensing God. For many people who are unchurched, to go into a church is completely alien. And what this event does is it, it A, gets people in the building, but B, it kind of tells you that we're not the conventional church, that we like to race cars and play music and bounce up and down on bouncy castles, that these this is part of what we do in our youth and children's work and throughout our, our life. So we'll be doing that again on Fun Run Fun Day. We will be seeking to appoint an outreach worker. That's an additional a 13th member of staff. All the financing that we have in our church comes from the giving of people in this church. We don't get any grants or funds from anywhere else. If you value what we're doing and you feel you want to contribute, we'd love to have your contribution. There is a leaflet on the desk out there that talks about how to give or you can go on our website and explains how to give or there's an iPad out there and you can give but will you pray that we find the right person will you pray that God leads us we want to bring someone in to help us reach out to the unchurched as we make intentional disciples, can I encourage you to, to, to mix with different people? One of the ways that we do that are what we call relational communities, which are groups of people who uh, uh, have a common interest, and they, whether it's football or craft or board games or badminton, whatever it is, we've got a photography group starting soon, trying to mix people who have faith and are, are not yet having faith and try and build relationships. And if there's a passion of yours and you think, I'd like to start something different, let us know and, and we'll get that going. Maybe you want to be part of some of these things. Do talk to, to Deb or I and we'll, we'll, we'll introduce you. 
And Alpha will resume in the same place, the same time as living the life. It starts with a pudding and then a drink. What is it? What is it? It's a drink and a pudding, actually, to be fair. What is it? It's the opportunity to ask any question. As you pray and love, at some point, we pray that somebody's going to say to you, what is it that you believe? How do you cope with it? How did you cope with that? Why do you go to church? And we want to encourage you to have the confidence to say either or both. Maybe come along and see. Come with me. Or maybe the questions you're asking, loads of people ask those questions. We do a course like all the churches, not all of them, many, many churches throughout the world. It's called Alpha. It means beginnings. I'll come with you. And we can go and ask those questions. And again, uh, I will do some of the talks and others of the leaders, and sometimes we use the, the videos from the course. Will you pray that at some point in your life, you will have the privilege of taking somebody to Alpha? Wouldn't that be a great ambition? Somebody you know says, I want to know what you believe. And we will be beginning our partnership with Falcon Lodge Chapel. We talked about this in our church meeting, and it was a video of the church meeting. The link was in the email a few weeks ago. And because you all read the email, you will have seen the link, you will have clicked on the link, and you will have watched the video about our partnership with Falcon Lodge Chapel. Falcon Lodge Chapel is, is a little church. It is what it says on the tin. It's just on the edge of Falcon Lodge. It's a church that we've loved and, and, and I've preached there for many, many years. It's a little, small community. They've invited us to help them. And they've gone through a process that I've led them through and they took a church meeting just before Christmas and they've invited us to enter into a partnership with them. And myself and Georgie are going to spend some time helping and leading the church and developing them and equipping them to be ready for growth in all ages, and families particularly. And maybe that's something we'll ask some of you to get involved with and to help with, and but certainly to pray. It's an incredible opportunity to bless. You will know that the church is on the border of Falcon Lodge, where we have our Second Thoughts project, and where we've worked with many of the church for years in reaching that community, which is less advantaged than much of Sutton Coalfield. And it's also on the edge of where there will be new housing. And so we want to be ready for that. And so that's part of what we're going to be involved in. So those are our things about intentionally creating new disciples. And lastly, we want to encourage each other to express God's love to all he's created, to care for creation, to care for what he's given us. And one of the ways we specifically do that is through our food bank. And uh, we have told you year on year that the numbers of come, people coming has doubled. Last year, over a 1,000 different people asked us for help. Some of those come once. Some of them come a couple of times because they have a particular crisis. Some of those people need regular support. And so we have given out... Uh, oh, we, at, by the end of the year, we were giving out 250 bags of food a week. Over the year, we've given out 10,000 bags of food. 
to people who just need help. That is an equivalence of £150,000 worth of food that has been donated by you, by your streets, by your workplaces, by our community. It is a tremendous stress. Are we going to have enough food? But it is a huge privilege. Because many of those who come back, come back because they want to be listened to. And they come back because they're going to be prayed for. And they fill in a card or they ask for prayer. And if you wander past the hatch, you will invariably see our volunteers praying with someone. And some of the things that they have to listen to are desperately sad and tragic and broken and hopeless. And all we can do is bring people to God. And this is an incredible place that God has placed us as a church. We never planned it. It's just happened. It's a fantastic thing. Will you pray? Can you provide food? Can you provide... You can give financially if you're not able to provide food, but it is really helpful if you can go and buy the food for you and bring a bag in. There are numbers of people who've done street collections. If you look on our call to prayer this morning, you'll hear the testimony of Mark and Heather about how their street rallied around at Christmas and, and, and donated a load of food, and maybe that's something you can do. So that's the thing I want to, to tell you about. And, and, and finally, to encourage you, with our Christmas Day offering, uh, we'll close it this week, I expect. We've given over £12,000 for food, um, poverty in the rest of the world. Because whatever we're facing here in other countries, it's hugely worse. And so thank you for your generosity. Thank you that we've been able to meet all our financial obligations last year. Uh, if, you, if you come to a church meeting, if you become a church member, our budget is colossal. <laughs> And so when you're thinking about £600,000 plus £150,000 plus 12000 here, the generosity just from people in this church is remarkable. So thank you. So we're going to encourage each other to make disciples together. How do we do that? These are the seven commitments that we're going to invite you to re-renew now. And the first commitment is the most important. The most important. If you can do nothing else but this... It would be great. Why are we asking you to commit? Because sometimes it feels that the world, it, 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 I had a kind of sense earlier on, that it's like a huge boulder of trouble and difficulty. And how do we make disciples? How do we share the love of Jesus? And there are some of us trying to push this boulder. And what we need is as many people as possible to put an elbow, a, 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 a shoulder to it. Or maybe it's a broken down car and we're trying to get it going again and we just need as many people to put a shoulder. Will you put a shoulder with us to bring the kingdom of God here? Or the church that you're a part of in the week, somewhere else is fine. These seven commitments. This is the first one. First one is the most important. If you do nothing else, do this one. Those who come to live in the life know what this is. I'm not going to test them. Will you live authentically as a Christian 24-7? Will you live in an honourable way? Will you live without judgment, without condemnation, without lying, without gossip, without duplicity? If you're going to do all of those things, don't call yourself a Christian and certainly don't mention that you come here because the most precious thing that we have is reputation. 
most important thing you can do is to live authentically and people go, why do you do that? What do you believe? Where do you go? Secondly, can you pray? Will you pray for us? Will you pray for the church? Will you find that regularly in your week to pray for the church? Second, thirdly, will you care for two or three people? It's pretty clear that most human beings have the capacity to pray for somewhere, uh, to, to care for somewhere between four and ten people. Jesus managed 12. I can't manage 12. Jesus did. Problem is that there are over 500 different people who come to our church. And if everyone's expecting Donald or Dan to care for them, we're in big trouble. But if you could just identify two or three people that you will care for, what I mean is that you look after them, you ask how they are, you pray for them, you phone them, you text them, you message them, you encourage them. It may be people you sit near, it may be people you've known for ages, it may be friends, it may be people in your small group, it may be people that you just see on a Sunday and you just feel drawn to get to know them, but will you care for some people? Will you be the person that spots when someone's in trouble and needs help? Fourthly, will you give? We've talked about that. Will you provide? Will you uh, share with us financially? We stopped taking up an offering because we felt that was not a good thing to be asking, but we'd love you to contribute financially again if you can do that. Fifthly, and really importantly, can you just be here? When this place is filled with people worshipping, something happens. When it's empty, it's not quite the same. Join in with something, your small group, your activity that you do in the week, whatever it is, be there. Commit to it and do it. Can you invite? We've talked about that. And lastly, least important, and only if you've got time, and family may not allow for it, work commitments may not allow for it, health may not allow for it, but if you can, serve, get involved and do something and talk to me if you want to know how to do that. I'm going to invite Sheila to rejoin me. We're going to stand. And this is the prayer, the second prayer of commitment that I want to invite you to say with me. So let's stand. We're going to say this prayer. We're going to sing a little bit. It's part of our singing. There will be the opportunity, and Sheila will let us know when that's coming, if anybody wants to just briefly pray out for our church. We want to invite you to pray uh, briefly, because we would rather have lots of people pray. Uh, so uh, just a sentence, even a word. It may just be, bless the young people, or fill the baptistry, or whatever it is. When we come to that moment, if you want to just speak out a prayer, we'd love to have uh, whatever contributions we can. And uh, sentences, not paragraphs tonight, if that's okay. Having said that as a paragraph on the screen, but that's, that's as long as we're going to go. But it, I want to invite you to make this prayer of renewal and commitment. If these are words that you own, say them. If they're, if, if they're not your words, don't say them. If they're not what you want, I can't tell whether people are speaking or not. It doesn't matter, but I'd rather you only say these words if they're really your words for this moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we renew our commitment to your church. We will live authentically, pray persistently, care consistently, 
give graciously, attend regularly, invite sensitively, and serve where able for your glory. Amen.